What's cracking lovely people is the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. It's a solo pod. It's the first one of its kind. And what I'm going to basically do is release these episodes every Friday. It's going to be 15, 20 minutes of me just covering a certain little topic, something that you can listen to before the weekend, give you a few little nutritional luggets, lifestyle hacks, whatever you want to call it. Then I'm still going to release a podcast on a Monday with a guest. So let's get cracking. And this one is all about fueling for the work required. Okay. So I speak to so many individual clients and these are people that, you know, have jobs for a living. That doesn't make any sense, have jobs for a living. Anyway, what I was meant to say was they're kind of amateur endurance enthusiasts. They like to exercise. Some like to do shorter forms of training, lift weights, whatever it is you need to fuel for function. And people are kind of constantly having the conversation with me around what do I need to eat to kind of help me exercise? And then obviously if they're working for a living, how do they regulate their energy levels and things like that as well? I'm not going to go into that too much about how you can kind of uh, eat and train and then still feel great in the boardroom and all that kind of stuff because I can do that in another pod. So I'm going to strictly focus on fueling for the work required. So we're going to have a conversation around if you are doing exercise, longer forms of exercise, more aerobic work. So anything that's going to be 60 minutes plus, you know, two, three hours plus that kind of thing, cycling, running, rowing, swimming, you know, you're going to be on your feet for quite a lot of time, or you're going to be on a a bit of kit for quite a lot of time. This is definitely the episode for you to listen to. So, okay, right. The study of carbohydrate metabolism is actually 100 years old, pretty much in the next year or so. And it's really interesting because it was something that first got me keen on sports nutrition when I first listened to lectures on exercise metabolism from like wonderful lecturers like Asker Yukondrup, Kevin Tipton, Ollie Wittard. These are people you can just go away and Google instantly now. Whereas back in the day, you know, I wasn't really focusing and listening to what they were saying to start with. But then actually when I went through some of their interesting research in, in years to come, I started to realise that actually this is the kind of sphere that I want to work in. I want to understand more about how I can help people fuel for function and basically do really well in, in different types of exercise. So, you know, if someone is going to be doing a 60 minute training session during the day, what do they need to do beforehand or not do? Or if someone's doing an hour and 20 on a bike, when do they need to start putting in carbohydrates, for example, for performance? So if we throw out the fat loss kind of conversation at the moment, if we keep in the performance, so you're looking to move quickly or move for a sustained amount of time so you don't kind of have that massive relapse or bonk or whatever you want to call it. People that do this form of training, you know, you know what it's called. It's it's or you know what it is really. It's something where obviously you lose energy very quickly and then your performance suffers that means you have to stop on the road on the trail you know stomach might be hurting or you're just really low energy or dizzy or things like that so it's kind of finding those practical applications around fueling okay so like I said 100 years old and back in the day you know they started in looking at people running in the 60s 70s 80s and talking and 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 kind of trying to understand if they put in more carbohydrates and they load these individuals can it help with sustained performance over time and that was the first kind of interesting bout and then i suppose over the last few years we've had things like muscle biopsies so people can go in it's like an apple cora type thing and you can bang that into the muscle and you can take out samples and you look you can look at things and obviously you can change 
change around what that individual is being fed beforehand. You can change around the duration, the intensity of training, all that kind of thing. So in the bio, I'm going to link to three research papers so you can dive into the literature and have a little bit of a read. Really, really interesting stuff. But I think I'm going to strip it back now and then just start talking about carbohydrates and muscle glycogen because that's basically what we store carbohydrates as. So let's just take glucose in its most simplest form, sugar. Um, so say, for example, that is in processed foods or you're taking, you know, breads, pastas, potatoes, uh, all those kind of things to give you a bit of an understanding. You eat those, you metabolize them, and then you're going to store them as muscle glycogen. Now, this is what I'm passionate about speaking to people um, when I when I do my presentations or I'm talking to clients and I talk to them about okay, you know carbohydrates are important for for health for the gut but I'm not going to go into that too much but then obviously they're also important as a fuel kind of uh, source so that's what I'm going to focus on more about today but they're not solely just a fuel source I think people in the past thought okay carbohydrates fuel energy let's crack on but it's not that simple they're also there for health they're also there performance etc but anyway. So we can store roughly and it's gender dependent. Obviously, if you have more muscle mass as well, you might have a large, larger storage capacity of muscle glycogen. And also you have a storage capacity in your liver as liver glycogen. So carbohydrate stores roughly, let's just say 100 grams in the liver, 400 grams in the muscle. And then you've got five grams or so in, in circulating bloodstream kind of as glucose. OK, so that say that gives us a kind of 500 grams of substrate. And the reason why, you know, you move carbohydrates in and out of, of, of the diet or before exercise, during exercise, after exercise is because you deplete them you know you use them when you're moving doing these kind of training sessions okay so that's the first thing to think about and exercise especially what people are doing everyone has an individual approach you know especially in terms of body composition people have different levels of musculature and you know fiber recruitment patterns are different because exercise training protocols are different okay so that's the kind of first thing to think about but then you can keep it in certain kind of areas in your mind so you think right an endurance kind of pursuit so if you're doing a half marathon marathon ultra marathon you know you're cycling longer at the weekends some people are now doing these kind of obstacle course races you know let's keep that over there and then obviously you've got your fast and hard uh weightlifting or sprinting or things like that so you're going to use different types of fibers so type one would be more endurance based type two would be more fast and explosive and then you've got your mixed modality in terms of uh, your team sports let's just say football okay and then you have to also remember, or I, I kind of ask these questions when people come in and we're talking about performance. I talk about, OK, so how long have you been training and doing this kind of thing? Um, so say, for example, the chap that I um, work with and train with and, and in the North Face and, and do some running with. And he also programs my running training, Ed. He's been in uh, an aerobic training state for for years for over a decade you know the guy puts three four five hours on feet a couple of times a week so his training status 
or his trained status is extremely high. Whereas if I'm working with someone and, you know, they've come and sat down with me in the corporate environment and they're like, oh, I've just got a marathon place, but I've never ran a marathon. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And obviously their body composition is going to be uh, different and, and the, you know, their fiber recruitment pattern is going to be different. You know, their muscle mass might be different. So they might have a different amount or the ability to store energy and carbohydrates and things like that. So that's the first thing, train status. Um, I also talk to them about their dietary status. So I look at the carbohydrates, different types of carbohydrates in someone's diet. So we can kind of generalize the fibrous carbohydrates, vegetables that grow above the ground, starch carbohydrates, mostly vegetables that grow below the ground. And obviously your, your breads, pastas, rice, potatoes, sugar, all that kind of thing. Um, and then in some of my kind of, uh, elite sports nutrition work when I'm over with the rugby team in, in, um, uh, Rouen in, in France, or if I'm working in, in, in fashion, I work with a, a modeling agency over in East London, you know, these, these models and these rugby players at a certain time may be training a lot because obviously their body compositions or especially the models, you know, the way they look is, 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 is basically their, their job. So I also understand the kind of uh, training fatigued status. That just means, you know, if someone's coming in and they're super sore or, you know, their, their training level is quite high at a certain time of the year, um, that's something that's interesting. And then just how tired they are and things as well, speak to them about that. So to summarise there, we're looking at fatigue status, train status, dietary status. I'm looking at someone's you know, body composition. And then also I'm looking at their, their kind of uh, goal, what they want to achieve, if it's in endurance based or power based, obviously today we're speaking more about endurance, but that's, that's the kind of first point of call. And, and, and that's the really interesting stuff because then you can put, start to put layers of, of kind of information and things over. So the next stage is to basically understand that the longer the duration and the lower intensity of your training, you're going to shift towards lipid oxidation and you're going to reduce carbohydrate oxidation. So that means in some people you might be using more fat for fuel during a training session where you're just bimbling at conversation pace. That's always how I try to kind of get it across to people and, and everyday individuals that I work with. So say if you and I listening went for a bit of a jog, we had a conversation during and we went for 30, 40 minutes, an hour. You know, that's the kind of uh, intensity where hopefully we're going to shift over to using fat for fuel and I won't need to. But again, it's person dependent, you know, push in carbohydrates to maintain that performance because it's low intensity, you know, moderate intensity, that kind of thing. But, you know, say if someone was jumping on a spin bike or, you know, I was looking to goose a half marathon or sprint or something like that, the intensity is higher. So I'm going to shift more into carbohydrate oxidation. So I'm going to be pulling carbohydrates from my liver and my muscles and I'm going to be metabolizing them and, and using them as energy. So it's that substrate availability. So imagine if I'm going into my race, I've got my ultramarathon next Saturday. So I want to have a fully loaded tank in my liver, in my muscles, because I'm going to be on feet for five hours and I'm going to be peeling through that energy. Yeah, good. Okay, so that's really interesting. And that obviously adds another layer of information for you. So we've moved things back, we've stripped it back to talk about, you know, where we actually store carbohydrates, 
where we store muscle glycogen and then the kind of exercise and training that you do requiring a certain type of fuel so when you're listening to this think about the kind of training you're doing and what you're trying to achieve and then also think about your dietary status going into that training session so that's the thing to think about so if you are doing something that's steady state over time how much beforehand do you need to load the tank with carbohydrates so i'm going to speak in a minute about duration and when that may change but then also if you're moving really quickly and you're trying to push a really really kind of um, intense performance or good performance restricting carbohydrates beforehand may not be good because you might not be able to maintain you know that high level of performance so it is all about and that's why it's the title of the podcast fueling for the work required okay decent so let's probably move into talking about the type of training and you know the broad brush strokes of research here i'm not going to be quoting people's names I'm not going to be looking at double blind placebo controlled trials compared to case control all that kind of stuff because that's something where there's so many other podcasts that go into those really nitty gritty um in-depth conversations around research um there's one called the issn guru performance podcast and alex is an absolute g and he will pull apart all of the kind of little bits of information around studies and all that kind of thing but today this is a broad brushstroke conversation and when anyone ever talks to me about nutrition i always want to be able to bring science to practice and then let everyone be able to understand that so i'll link to the papers in the show notes but this is you know a bit more of a conversation around bringing up topics and letting everyone take away a little bit of information okay so the general consensus of the last 40 years is that carbohydrate loading can improve performance and capacity when exercise is greater than 90 minutes so if you're someone that's not training more than 90 minutes you know through the week as in a training session is 90 minutes or longer how much of those carbohydrates do you need to so the starch-based carbohydrates and the sugars and things do you need to be putting in because you know you may not be requiring it for the type of training you're doing but if you are someone that's doing endurance-based sessions and you're putting away quite a few miles or you're putting away quite a lot of time on the bike you know over the last 40 years it's looking at right feeding and pushing in that muscle that muscle pushing in glucose into the muscle and then pushing in fructose into the liver so that's what i didn't address before so fructose fruit sugar um so from whole fruits fruit juices that kind of thing obviously stores in the liver as 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 muscle glycogen it's that pre-exercise feeding again it's individual dependent but for most of the time the research looks at one to four grams sorry one to yeah one to four grams per kilo of body weight three to four hours before the bout so often this kind of specificity around fueling might be before you do um a training session that say mirrors your event or if you are someone that's training all the time because you have multiple events through the year that's something to probably think about but say for me um i'll be more diligent on looking to load the body next friday before actually when this podcast comes out it doesn't really matter so um yeah before my ultra marathon i'll be really really kind of thinking about right okay what's working specifically for me and between one to four grams per kilo body weight three to four hours beforehand i'm going to be putting in the carbohydrates to help kind of fuel the stores to then give me that available energy to train okay right have a little bit of sip of my coffee 
absolutely beautiful. So that's a little bit on loading. And another thing to think about maybe if you are someone that's doing less than 90 minutes and you just want to be able to kind of keep performance high you don't necessarily want to take in carbohydrates because you're starting to learn that your body might not necessarily need them because you've put food in you know prior um but there's something to think about and 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 that's actually mouth rinsing i talk to clients and people that i know about this and it's interesting if you take a sports drink or something sugary and you're moving it around the mouth you're not necessarily swallowing it but you're doing 60 minutes or less exercise if you're in an indoor gym, spitting probably isn't a good idea. But say if you're outside, you know, it may have a bit of an ergogenic effect. So it may help reduce perceived exertion, it may help reduce fatigue. But that's something to think about if you're doing 60 minutes or less. So we talked a little bit about loading carbohydrates if you're doing 90 minutes or more. And this is more peris, this is more during your exercise. If you're doing 60 minutes or less, mouth rinsing is something to think about or look at. So try that. And then obviously during exercise, if you're putting in more than 90 minutes uh, on feet, on a bike, whatever, you can have a mixture of you know solids, semi-solids, fluids. And then again, the research is on a broad brushstroke kind of census, 30 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Now, I'm going to do a separate podcast on the kind of types of foods, and I'm keen to get someone who maybe does this full time for a living, on to speak about their diets and then I'm keen to get someone on who you know works for a living but then is also really passionate about endurance exercise and be keen to see you know what they do with their diets and how they can manage to get in and and fuel for the work required one maybe has a bit more time because obviously the exercise is full-time and then two the other person you know around uh, family or, or work that'd be really really interesting but at the moment we're going to stick to numbers so Solids, you know, you can look at things like bars. There's a fantastic book called Feed Zone Portables that I'll link to. Absolutely love that as a resource. Semi-solids, you're talking about gels, you're talking about compots. So I'm a big fan of, say, taking frozen fruit, water, and then stewing that down in uh, in a pan. And then obviously you can buy these kind of squeezy bottles and you can put those in. Um, I know Alex, the sports dietitian, has got a really, really good recipe, homemade recipe. So I'll link to that in the in the bio as well. And then obviously you've got pure fluids, so that's something where you can make your own kind of sports drinks out of squash and things. Um, again, might go into that separately in a, in a different podcast. And then obviously you can use uh, powders and you can add water to that. So for example, I've got this one in front of me, the Tailwind Nutrition that I use. There's a scoop here, 27 gram scoop, and it gives me 25 grams. And it's a mixture of sucrose, dextrose, glucose, so it's a multiple transporter kind of uh, carbohydrate source basically there's different types of carbohydrates in in this powder and then i'll put that into the water and i can strap that to me and i can drink it so i'll go into a little bit more detail about that in a minute but yeah solids semi-solids fluids 30 to 60 grams an hour you have to be going at absolute clappers to be taking in 90 grams an hour but again it's individual dependent and the overarching conversation here is around in my opinion the gut is an endurance enthusiasts or athlete whatever you want to call yourself most important organ so 
you know, there may be gastrointestinal discomfort, but you have to practice, you have to train the gut. So it's putting some of those things in. It's having a stash of some of these, um, you know, solids, semi-solids, fluids, gels, all that kind of stuff, whatever you want to use, you know, look at the feed zone portables, find things that work for you, but then practice with these foods. They're not going to be in your everyday daily diet, but you know, they're things that I have a stash of in a bag in a cupboard and then I use when I'm doing some of my longer training sessions so I can start to, you know, get my body to, to digest them while I'm on the move quickly. And it, it does just take time. Again, I can't give the answer to when, you know, your gut's going to play up or when it's not, but I think it's something that you really need to practice. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's something that, that you should kind of take as seriously as your training. So many people have excel spreadsheets and training pdfs and all this kind of stuff but then they're not really thinking about what they're having and then some people also put in foods and drinks and gels and all that kind of stuff that they've never tried on on the day that they're they're competing as well which is you know in my mind it's just it's just a bit short-sighted as as my good friend kieran and from man versus miles says and i think he got the quote from from tom evans is you know if you take care of the process i always balls this up it's all about the process and then if you take you know, if you take all the all those little things in hand and, and, and you practice them and, and, and you're really diligent, then, you know, the outcome will take care of itself. So that obviously isn't the quote. I ballsed it up. Sorry, Tom. I, don't, I doubt Tom Evans has listened to this anyway, but that's that's really important to think about. So we've gone over carbohydrate loading. We've talked about peri, so during. And then we've also talked a little bit about how you have to kind of train the gut Again, broad brushstroke conversations, but really, really interesting stuff around, um, yeah, the types of foods that you're eating, the total amount of foods that you're eating. But then that's where sometimes a one-on-one nutrition session goes down really well because you can take time to speak about, yeah, how how you're kind of um, feeling after you've eaten or drank a certain product. And, you know, that's something that may take a little bit more time and it's all very personal. So... The fueling for function, fueling for work required is really, really interesting. So the first thing to think about is what's the overall goal? What's the duration of your training? And then also in terms of some of those longer training days, are you taking fluids and foods and things like that on board if you're looking to maintain or push a really good performance? Whereas if you're just going out for a little bimble, little steady state kind of jog, or if you're doing anything that's you know less than 90 minutes, you may just take on water and if you've had breakfast or dinner or something like that the night before, then you know you should you should be okay. So that's something to definitely think about. And it's all about a personal approach. Um and I absolutely love this quote from the one of the papers that I've linked to. Skeletal muscle is highly malleable tissue and it has the ability to undergo major adaptations. So if you are thinking about doing an event and something that's endurance based you know, give yourself some time. There's a reason why a lot of people will take 20 weeks before they do the marathon, you know, all these kind of processes in the body, your ability to use carbohydrates, your ability to store carbohydrates, your ability to use fat, everything's going to become a lot more efficient if you're following, you know, a consistent kind of um, training approach, really. And my go-to guy that I always, always mention on the podcast is, is Ed Norman, and I'll link to him as well link to his email um over the last two ultra marathons and things that i've done i work with him and in terms of the training and it's 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 been absolutely bang on and yeah i'm just an enthusiast 
um, have no intentions of competing and the reason why I do these kind of races and things are because I work with a lot of endurance enthusiasts and, and, and a few kind of semi-professional um, endurance individuals as well and, and, and I just want to take myself through the process so I can kind of understand what you know a longer training session day feels like I can understand what a twice per day training kind of schedule feels like and all that kind of thing so I think that segues into the other kind of side of the pod that I wanted to speak about for the fuel for the work required because we talked about kind of putting in carbohydrates and making sure that you are fueled and you know your glycogen levels in terms of your muscles and your liver fully stocked also I'm going to talk about uh you know in another podcast we'll go into the foods and and the types of foods and I'll try and get a couple of people on so we can have more of a practical approach for that but the other interesting side of the coin is lower carbohydrate so entering a training session where you know you can change the amount of carbohydrate in your body by simply just not eating a lot of starch-based carbohydrates or not eating as many sugary products or things like that so there's definitely a few different tactics about training in a lower carbohydrate state and then it's important for me to kind of bring them up at the moment but the interesting thing is that we need to understand the exercise and the nutrient conditions that truly constitute to, to kind of the training low conditions. So that basically means that we still don't know what is the best way or how to train low um, to get the most benefit, if that makes sense. So over the last few years, for example, this train low, compete high consensus has come so say if you're doing something at the weekend and you're competing if you're someone that's working a team sport or competing in a team sport or if you're someone that's you know regularly racing or, or doing long kind of adventure weekends and things like that with friends during the week you might do a few training sessions that are not fueled by carbohydrates and you're not fully loading your 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 muscle glycogen your liver glycogen deliberately to get some forms of adaptation after the training sessions okay so it's something to think about it's interesting but we still don't know the best way to do it and then again you have to think about being practical and being smart around these kind of things because i've especially in working with everyday people they love to move into the polar opposite ends and it's right right i've heard about this ketogenic diet or this low carbohydrate diet and i've just cut out starch-based carbohydrates sugars alcohol all that from my diet but you know they haven't just done it for a few days some people have turned up and they've done it for weeks and you know they're not necessarily feeling that great so if your training load and intensity is increasing week on week on week and you're lowering carbohydrates you know there's potential for becoming ill there's potential for um, an infection as well so think about what your goal is and and also what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to achieve and it's that kind of careful day-to-day periodization in a meal by meal manner as opposed to chronic periods of carbohydrate restriction so i find that again that fuel for the work required comes in so some of the tactics that have been highlighted in the research and also uh, i'll link to the studies again so you can go through those are fasted training so what does that necessarily mean that just means for the everyday person training before breakfast so you wake up you're in a fasted state your liver glycogen for example is a little bit lower you haven't eaten anything and if you are keeping that intensity low and slow let's call it a bit of a bimble or something like that you know your body may be prioritizing fat and that may 
give you a bit of a training and 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 kind of um interesting adaptation around your ability to to kind of harness energy stores um i won't go into too much more detail but it's around kind of mitochondria biogenesis which are our energy tanks of the body basically let's just talk about that so i know i've used the word energy tank in terms of muscles and liver but let's just say the mitochondria the energy cells okay so so we'll talk about that so faster training something you're doing before breakfast then again i find so many people especially in london are getting up and doing some of these classes and they're doing four or five faster training sessions a week and they're trying to move really really quickly so again think about the intensity and then also think about what you're trying to do if you're trying to move really really fast and you're trying to perform and you're trying to um you know move really really well and 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 move quickly if you're doing faster training every day no wonder you're probably moving a lot slower on friday because you're not fueling for the work required so the other kind of side of things looking at it is a a kind of post-exercise restriction in terms of carbohydrates so say you train and then you deliberately eat more you know more vegetables that grow above the ground a little bit more whole food fats a little bit more protein you try not to put in the starches and the sugars and then you train kind of 24 hours after that and you give that a bit of a go that's an interesting tactic and then moving on from that you've got a sleep low train low so for individuals that are really trying to um you know push themselves forward in a, in a certain training plan mostly people that are you know maybe competing or, or taking things a little bit more seriously you could put in an evening training session after that evening training session you don't recover with carbohydrates so say you go home and you have your your kind of protein um source on the plate first you put some vegetables on the plate a little bit of whole food fat and then you don't you know you don't put in the starches or you don't put in any sugar and then you wake up the next day and then before breakfast you then go out and you train again so it's very demanding especially if you're working full time especially if you don't sleep well if you have a young family or a, you know family in general or you just not sleeping that well because life load and stress is pretty high you know i don't recommend diving straight into a sleep low train low but if you're someone that you know does sleep very well and, and can manage your time really really well that's that's an interesting way to train in terms of developing um yeah yeah more of an efficient ability to 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 use your your fuel sources so the words metabolically flexible comes into play so your ability to use carbohydrates when you've got a carbohydrate tank that's loaded your ability to use fat for fuel when you've got um you know a state of lower carbohydrate and and that's that ability to kind of be metabolically flexible so you can be um, efficient at burning fat you can be efficient at, uh, at burning carbohydrates so sleep low train low is a tool very very interesting tool and i think they're the kind of main yeah they're the main three that i think i'll go through so in terms of tools and tactics around lower carbohydrate training so you've got the faster training you've got the post-exercise restriction in terms of carbohydrates and then you've got that sleep low train low oh actually the final one could be, and for some people that are, you know, training and, and competing at, at a bit more of a serious level or, you know, maybe you are someone that has that has a load of time and, and you really manage yourself. Is that twice a day training? So say you train in the a.m., go to work or you do whatever you do. And then after that first training session, you, you, you know, you, you're keeping the starch based carbohydrates and, and the sugars and things out of, of, of your breakfast, your lunch, your afternoon snacks. And then you're training again in the evening. And then after that, for your dinner, you're putting in a little bit more starch based carbohydrates. That's another tactic. That's another tactic that's been researched. But I have to say at this point, and especially from, 
you know this large review which i've linked to in in the show notes and it's and it's called regulations of muscle glycogen metabolism during exercise implications for endurance performance and training adaptation um so this is out of liverpool john moore's university you know these guys are saying that we still don't know we still don't know what the what the best you know the best kind of way to do this uh, this kind of training low is and and you know how do we create the best conditions to be able to get you know adaptations and and, and push forward fantastic performance now we're still not sure so um yeah i thought i'd just record something because it's yeah it's it's, it's something that's really really interesting to me I love this topic and this is one of the the reasons why I wanted to become a sports nutritionist to start with and also because it's now you know it's now nearly 100 years of research around carbohydrate metabolism and and yeah it's so interesting obviously it's important for fuel obviously carbohydrates are important for for human health but then it's the performance side of things as well isn't it and that's the thing that we're really really interested in and I think that you know wellness and and all that kind of stuff now is becoming really really popular which I you know I think is a positive thing obviously some people could take it to polar opposite ends but um yeah it's not it's nice to kind of to, to celebrate the fact that that we now understand more we've got more technical ability in 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 um labs and, and and experiments and research settings to be able to dig into this and start coming out with some 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 really interesting information and i think it's it's important to to have these kind of resources and and, and i'll link to all the things that i talked about as well but you know, I learned by listening and that's why I started this podcast because um, I, I would want to pop a show like this into my ears and if I had half an hour on the commute or, or if I was driving or if I was home, you know, whatever, doing chores, uh, I can take away a few nuggets from. So this is going to be the first of many. I'm going to release these pods on, on Fridays. I know I've gone over 30 minutes or so. They may be shorter, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to to get out as much information as I could on that so no it's um it's I'm going to hopefully bring out some more some more shows on on carbohydrates and and fueling for work required and I'm going to try and get that kind of everyday endurance enthusiast on and then I'll try and get someone who's you know pretty much doing it full time and then we can talk about their diet so we can get a kind of practical application and you know what does 30 grams 60 grams 90 grams mean you know what are some of these products that that people are using bars gels um you know semi-solids and things like that and then also um you know when when people are eating how, how does it affect their gut health and and when they are running you know the tools and tactics around being able to keep going and how to store and and, and dispense all these kind of foods and fuels and things on the go so yeah lovely people thanks for listening as always please share subscribe um send send the show to to people as well if you really really like it i'm trying to get better with the quality so some people have said that you can hear me a little bit better which is really good so i've upgraded my my phone and um yeah have a fantastic week and looking forward to speaking to you soon